None of the content on this or any episode of the Kratom Science Podcast, Kratom Science Journal Club, or on any page of KratomScience.com is intended, nor should it be considered medical claims or medical advice. None of the content on this or any episode of the Kratom Science Podcast, Kratom Science Journal Club, or on any page of KratomScience.com is intended, nor should it be considered medical claims or medical advice. This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. Hey, what's up everyone? How's it going? I am pretty freezing cold because my furnace went out. I ordered a part and I'm freaking waiting for it. And it's about like 55 in the house. Could be worse drinking some tea right now not kratom tea i'm drinking hibiscus tea but i have been drinking more kratom tea lately might just talk about my own kratom use i'm kind of in the middle of a little science experiment on myself um but first i wanted to get to uh the pressing issues uh this goes out thursday February 9th, so it's tonight. If you're in or around Livingston Parish, Livingston Parish Council is now going to introduce the ordinance to ban Kratom there. So show up there. This is the time where they're actually going to introduce the ordinance, and I assume vote on it. The address, and I'll have a link to the Google Maps, it's 20355 Government Boulevard. Livingston, Louisiana, 70754. It is tonight, February 9th, Thursday at 6 p.m. So if you're anywhere near there and you want Kratom to stay legal, please show up. It's in the council chambers. So show up there at 6 p.m. They have on the agenda public input, which is right after roll call. So show up there. I wouldn't show up early, man. Show up at 5. These these councils are known to pull some trickery at the last minute there. So I would show up early. Speaking of trickery, it's just kind of odd that a few weeks ago there was a different ordinance committee um, that had set most of the people except for Shane Mack uh, seemed to be in favor of regulation rather than a ban. Two weeks later, this last meeting, they have a meeting uh, the sheriff shows up, a uh, couple of uh, police officers, uh, the coroner, and there's uh, all new uh, committee members, except for Shane Mack, who was against it. Then there's another guy who was against it. We covered, I, I covered this on KratomScience.com, so check out, um, you scroll down, it says news and updates. February 1st, uh, January 31st was the last committee meeting, and I covered it. February 1st. I've been corresponding a little bit with Paul Schneck-Snyder about he's the Kratom vendor who spoke at both of the meetings, and he spoke at the last meeting, and he got a little hot about it because it seems like they were willing to work with him uh, the first meeting, and then it's just like, okay, we're going to introduce the ban ordinance out of nowhere. Yeah, the sheriff spoke, and they were just like, well, people mix it with other drugs, so... I. They mix it with illegal drugs, so how is making Kratom illegal going to stop that since they're already accessing illegal drugs? They didn't have any rationale for a ban, just because there isn't any rationale to ban drugs that's 
doesn't rely on magical thinking about the evil of certain substances and you got to regulate it and try to keep people who are going to use it anyway as safe as possible tonight at 6 p.m show up there if you're uh, near livingston parish so what i'm going to do is just play some of the testimony from paul sheck snyder i think he made the best points and gave the best speeches of the night and this is from the Livingston Parish Council Ordinance Committee meeting on January 31st, 2023. And here's Paul. Don't forget to state your name, and I know you probably know the protocol, but it's just for the record, so we can put it in the minutes. Paul Schecksneider, I'm from uh, Denham Springs. So a lot of these bans and issues with Kratom, they all get brought up as uh, public safety threats. And I'd like to discuss what the real public safety threat is uh, and that is not legal access to Kratom. The real public safety threat is a ban on Kratom, which will force thousands of consumers back onto the streets to take their chances with fentanyl, heroin, and fake pills, uh, and back to the real life of crime to support that habit. Whereas Kratom keeps all that from happening, and we all know it. Uh, let's look at statistics. This is from Dr. Kirsten Smith of the National Institute of Health Peer Review article published from, uh, from she reviewed 2,798 Kratom users. All right, this is uh, from the National uh, Institute of Health, Dr. Kirsten Smith. She states in this uh, peer review of these participants, 91%, 91% reported taking Kratom to alleviate pain on an average uh, a couple of days for back, shoulder, or knee pain, 67% for anxiety, 65% for depression. About 41% of the survey uh, responders said they took Kratom to treat opioid withdrawal. And of those people who took it for opioid withdrawal, 35% going more than a year without taking prescription opioids <coughs> or heroin. Both prescription and illicit opioids carry the risk of lethal overdose as evidenced by more than 47,000 opioid overdoses deaths in the United States in 2017, which I'm sure that number is going up tremendously now, which I believe uh, Livingston Parish had 41 overdose deaths last year. Notably, there has been fewer than 100 kratom-related deaths reported in a comparable period, and most of these involved mixing with other drugs or in combination of pre-existing health conditions. So I did a quick Google search of crime from prescription medication in our area, including pain pills, fentanyl, and other legal stuff, which is Livingston Parish, arrested with <coughs> fentanyl, heroin, uh, crystal meth, everything. The list goes on and on and on. That's, that's the real issue. I would show you crime and destruction from Kratom, but I couldn't find any. I couldn't find a single article. If Kratom is such a menace to society, then why are you council members just finding out what Kratom is? I'm sure you 100% absolutely know about everything else that I described in these papers, about the heroin, the fentanyl, everything else that you're combating in this uh, parish. I've heard the same from Ascension Parish and Livingston Parish. Even WBRZ agreed that the police they spoke to have never heard or never had any issues. 
uh, and with y'all trying to ban um, Kratom, which is something y'all had to Google and find out about a week ago, I guess, because most of the council members that I spoke with absolutely have no clue what Kratom is. And if it's such a big menace, then y'all would know about it, correct? So pretty much exactly right about everything, right? That's what's going on. I mean, what's going on here specifically is the sheriff's tied to a rehab. Uh, his brother uh, brought this ordinance up that rehab wants everything illegal because then they'll get new clients from court order. They said they work with the probation department, this lifehouse rehab in this area. They don't have any psychologists or medical professionals working for them. It's a Christian rehab. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, but... The way they do it, and this is from their FAQ page, and I'll read you the quotes. This is from uh, the article I posted on KratomScience.com. February 1st, I posted this. It's called Livingston Parish Ordinance Committee Now Leans Toward Kratom Ban. Sheriff Tied to Rehab Speaks. Okay, I'll just read it. Last month, Kratom Science learned from podcast guest and police corruption whistleblower John Griggs that Sheriff Ard received thousands of dollars in campaign funds from construction contractor Smith Tank and Steel. The company sponsors Lifehouse, a chain of nonprofit Christian rehabilitation centers. In its FAQ, Lifehouse states that it is, quote, not a medical, psychiatric, or psychological program, unquote. Lifehouse recruits new members from the court system, stating, quote, we have developed a relationship with probation departments and will work with the legal system on your behalf, unquote. While in the program, participants, quote, will be unable to continue their current job or obtain new employment, unquote. Participants are, quote, required and expected to fully participate in our labor and vocational training, unquote, and, quote, expected to participate in various community service projects and will have various opportunities for job training and gainful employment through our partnerships. But job placement timing will be at the discretion of the program managers, unquote. It seems like uh, they're taking people that um, have been convicted of drugs and, uh, you know, maybe getting them off and maybe the community services through them as part of their rehabilitation and everything. But it seems like, why do they have to quit their jobs? It seems like they're, they're trying to get free labor out of people who are in a bind. And is the free labor with Smith Tank and Steel? I have no idea. Um, but it just seems like a roundabout way of a lot of shenanigans going on. And they had these people testifying, these uh, members, at the Ascension Parish meeting. So far, they haven't testified um, at Livingston, but who knows if they'll be there tonight. Watch, there's a movie called Body Brokers. It's not the same kind of thing. Uh, but these real rehabilitation centers deserve to at least be scrutinized. I have no idea if they're doing anything unethical. Maybe it's all ethical. I personally would not go to a uh, rehabilitation center that didn't have medical pro or psychiatric professionals working at it, but that's just me. And it might be somebody's best opportunity that's facing uh, a drug charge, and that's why the drug war fucking sucks. Uh, I will share 
I will share this with you. This is Tent Mountain. I fought in Afghanistan, did two tours. So I will share with you while fighting in Afghanistan with the Tent Mountain, I combated heroin directly. I patrolled through uh, poppy fields used by our enemies killing my fellow servicemen. I was directly, uh, I've directly against uh, uh, the heroin and those who profited from it and then to come home and see the epidemic. Kratom fights the fight against heroin and drug addiction. To take this from me and so many servicemen that use Kratom is a direct slap in my face to my sacrifices by fighting in Afghanistan uh, and to my fellow servicemen. I'd say before you ban it, you really need to think about uh, what this is really doing to the community and helping people and just really do your due diligence. And, and with this guy right here, Ryan, with the KCPA uh, that he uh, advocates, for the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, uh, it's a wonderful thing, and and I take Kratom. I've taken it for three years. Um, my wife takes Kratom. She was on Lexapro, a list of prescription medicines too for severe depression, for suicidal ideology, and uh, pulling a 40 cal pistol out of her hand because she was su really suicidal uh, is a scary thing, and and to to watch her take Kratom um, and the depression the anxiety, all the issues she's dealt with to be completely gone with. My PTSD I can deal with, manage, uh, to become a functioning member of society. I can truly tell you this stuff works. And I do know firsthand uh, as a company that me and my wife do operate, um, we do lab tests or stuff. We, we send it to Murray Brown for adulteration, uh, heavy metals, um, bacteria. So we do absolutely know that it's 1,000% safe for the consumer. So, I, I mean, there's, there's multiple ways to do this in the right aspect of things uh, without just taking a banned approach. You know there's something going on. If you're, if you're a human being and you listen to that and you say, no, no, they're all lying. All the thousands of people are lying that it helped them. No, uh, uh, no, uh, your, your wife didn't get better. Uh, it's not getting people off of uh, hard opioids and whatnot. No, nah, I'm just not going to look into that uh, because the sheriff said some people were mixing it with other drugs, which doesn't even make sense to why banning would help. Then there's something else going on. So that's why we're looking at the money aspect. And I'm going to find out what every single one of these council members vote for a ban. I mean, in general, with a lot of these state bills and stuff, it's an easy position to take. This thing's dangerous. I'm your savior. I'm going to vote for a ban. And that's really what goes into it. Nothing. No thinking with with these politicians uh, and just not really doing their homework on anything. I mean, have an aide read a couple articles for you. Uh, listen to our podcast or something. There were two people on that uh, in that community that were still skeptical about banning it. The one guy even said, well, you can ban alcohol. You think that's going to get people to stop drinking? You know? And somebody applauded for him. So anyway, I'm going to play a little bit with Sheriff Ard said. Respond to that. I'm going to play one thing the coroner said. The coroner knew his stuff. He was an MD. And he was really there to testify in favor of a ban. Although he kind of didn't want to say it out loud. But he was there with the police. Here's the Sheriff Ard speaking. Speaking in favor of a ban so he can have more people to arrest. Do it like... Oh. We have 
the Honorable Sheriff. He don't have to give his name. Jason Orr here tonight. <laughs> Appreciate y'all for coming. Thank you for having me, Jason Orr, Sheriff of Livingston Parish. Um, I like you didn't know about Kratom. What that young man said was true. Didn't hear about it about seven, eight months ago when other sheriffs brought it to my attention. However, I brought with me tonight two guys that were very familiar with it, been fighting the streets every day for several years. One is my sergeant over narcotics, uh, Cody Gyro. The other is my sergeant over the criminal, criminal patrol division, which is um, Jeremy McCullen. I had a look at him. But uh, these guys are on the streets every day. And look, we're tasked with one thing and one thing only. <coughs> serve and protect this parish to keep our citizens safe. Um, I understand there's a lot of things that go on when you, uh, with, with, uh, we've had dealt with bath salt, we've dealt with all kind of things, and this, this Kratom is a growing issue in law enforcement. Uh, these guys don't make a drug bust very seldom without this being involved. The reason you don't see it in the paper is because it's not illegal. So now I'm going to list it in the paper. So you do see your fentanyls, your cocaine, your methamphetamines. You're going to see that because it's illegal, and we can actually have a statute to put on it. You don't have that on Kratom. That's why it's an issue. So you see, Kratom should become illegal because it's not. It's currently legal. That's an issue. There should be a statute that makes it illegal because it's currently legal. That's the rationale that should. It, oh, it makes perfect sense, Sheriff. Okay, so people have Kratom in their house when they're getting busted for illegal drugs. So what, they have coffee? They, uh, I don't know if they have medical marijuana, but I know they have hemp down in uh, Louisiana. Do they have hemp in their house? They have aspirin, Tylenol. Tylenol kills like 450 people a year. Do they have alcohol at the drug bus? What's the point of that? There's no logical point to that. And it's not in the news because it's legal. Okay. Maybe it's not in the news because it's not a problem. Like, if you would address the actual point that Paul Schechsnader made, maybe it's not in the news because it's not a problem. I mean, they've shown in science, I talked to, you can go back to the episode with Dr. Mark Swagger, one of the papers he worked on it was about people in Malaysia who switch from heroin or opium to kratom, and they have far less at-risk behaviors like HIV risk behaviors, things like that. They commit less crimes. It's just one of those things where the dependency is way less, so there's not a lot of crime around kratom, and there's been a couple of papers like that that show this. You know, the average age also of the people that use it, 31 to mid-50s or something, and older. Uh, once you get a certain age, you stop having the energy to go around committing crimes, robbing people, and shit like that. There's no evidence that it's a menace in Livingston Parish. So, these are bullshit points. And I suspect he knows it. Okay, the uh, two other policemen that were with Sheriff Ard spoke. Uh, this here is Officer Cody. I forget his full name. I put it in the article. So just to touch back on that, uh, yeah. in low doses, it acts as an opiate. In higher doses, it would act more like an amphetamine. So it can, Fumble! It can flip, uh, more of a, Fumble! Okay, yeah, so that's, the, that's the coroner that corrected him. 
it, it never acts as an opiate because it's not from the opium poppy, but that's okay. That's opioid, he should have said. It's a, it's a higher, uh, as an amphetamine, and the... It's nothing like an amphetamine. It's more like an espresso. Higher doses is more like an opiate. It causes sed sedation, uh, loss of consciousness in some cases, and things of that nature. Yeah, not really. Anybody ever pass out from doing too much kratom? If you did, you, you're probably dead. Uh, and you probably had fentanyl, too. The Food and Drug Administration, they have not approved... Yeah, we know what we said. This is... Uh, oh, this is the front... In any uses. That's uh, front page Google. Food and Drug Administration uh, has not approved kratom for any uses. Uh, also, you know... WebMD and uh, the Mayo Clinic and uh, the DEA. The DEA said Kratom causes hallucinations. You, you know all that? It's the front page of Google. Uh, and the research that what they have discovered as of now is that some Kratom products do contain contaminants, including heavy metals and harmful bacteria. That's true. We've covered that. What we see on the streets is people using Kratom to uh, enhance the effects of other illegal drugs already. So they can buy... Street-level drugs, which we do enforce, <coughs> go buy another product off the shelf to make these illegal drugs more <coughs> potent and give them a, a higher intensity. I believe that, and you know what will happen if Kratom is banned? It won't disappear magically. They'll still be able to do that. Uh, it won't lose its uh, evil powers of... Uh, enhancing uh, other drugs or whatever. I, I think they're not enhancing other drugs. I think people who uh, use opioids are discovering Kratom, and then they're using that so they don't withdraw from their opioids. They're withdrawn, waiting for their paycheck, so they're going to go out and rob something, or they can take some Kratom. So that's why they're finding Kratom when they go in and bust people for using other drugs, using illegal drugs. It, the, the ordinance would basically say it shall be illegal for any person to sell the kratom. Of course, they uh, list the scientific name of this it. This is Shane Mack. In the parish. So we would be enforcing just the sale of it, and then if it's in their possession, we would have to have something that also, or just should we ban sheriff just the uh, sale or also possession? Is what I'm asking. I'm pretty easy. I'd say you ban it all. And I agree. Opinion. <laughs> Did you hear what just happened there? I agree. So that was a councilman with that voice there. It sounds kind of like Roscoe P. Train a little bit. He asked the sheriff, should we ban the sale or possession? And the sheriff said, yeah, ban all of it. The guy's asking the fucking police what they should do. Like, what the fuck is that? You're the council. You should oversee the police. You should make policy that doesn't have police going down and knocking down some grandma's door that takes it for her back pain. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're asking the police what the policy should be. They carry out the policy that you make. You're in charge of down there. I, I don't know if you are. I mean, it just seems like the, seems like the police are in charge there. They want more criminals, and, and you're going to give them more criminals. All right. Yes, sir, Sheriff. What should we do? Man. And that was Councilman Randy Delatte. He was one of the new people on this uh, ordinance committee that wasn't there two weeks ago. Uh, so now I want to go to the coroner.
But okay, it looks pretty safe, what have you. And I think it is safer than most opiates and what have you. Um, safer than methadone, heroin, you know, and all the others. But by itself, it has caused death. And um, I have this where they did a thousand blood samples on some medical death investigations, and there were three deaths out of a thousand. Obviously, it's not a lot, but three deaths where it caused death by itself. There, it wasn't a co-ingestion. Over the last couple years, um, since 2021, we had two cases in 2021 and one case in 2022 where Creighton was involved as a cause of death, but all three of them were with other drugs as well. Um, one of the cases that we had um, probably had, like the gentleman previously stated, where they adulterated or, or cut it with other other drugs, and tianeptine was in um, a case of a two-year-old um, that was, you know, that died, and that death was ruled a homicide because obviously the the parent had this stuff. So that was kratom uh, that was adulterated with tianeptine, and whoever does that out there, if you're a vendor and you're listening, you're a fucking piece of shit. Why don't you just eat some of that shit and just fucking take yourself away from harming other people? Yeah, the two-year-old got a hold of it. So the headlines down there, NOLA.com, uh, was uh, Kratom killed this little two-year-old, and here's and here's the story about the trial. Uh, the story itself was fine, but I, I put on Twitter, there was one of the NOLA journalists was uh, tweeting about it. So the article does talk about the fact that the toddler had a lethal dose of tianeptine by itself in its uh, system when it got a hold of that tainted kratom and died. Uh, but the headline, here's here's the headline. Uh, the story itself is fine. It was uh, written by Jackie D. Roberts. But here's a tweet put out by Andrea Gallo, who I guess is another NOLA writer, uh, deep reporting from J.M. de Robert Robertus, Jackie de Robertus, another toddler who died from drugs, but this time Kratom and not fentanyl. Her family was being monitored by DCFS. Her mom was complying with case plan, and then she relapsed. I don't think she relapsed. I think she was taking Kratom, and <laughs> Kratom did not kill the toddler. The lethal dose of tianeptine did. I'm not sure how Kratom interacts with tianeptine. It, it might have slowed down the metabolism of tianeptine, but that toddler would be dead if, if even if there wasn't Kratom in it. So that's just not responsible. I retweeted this. Because I thought it was a good story, but with with the caveat, when I retweeted, so I retweeted, it's certainly possible that enough Kratom could kill a toddler, but this toddler had a massive dose of tianeptine. With Kratom alone, the baby would likely be alive, having been sick. This reporter is blocking accounts pointing this out. She had already been blocking people... Who were who? By the way, very politely, some of them. I don't know if I haven't seen. Maybe there's more that were in plight, but the one uh, from uh, Gabby, who's on uh, Twitter, who's a kratom act activist, um, she was very polite. Like, hey, there was it was the tianeptine. 
she got blocked, and, and then I got blocked after I read what I just wrote. So they're putting out raw anti-drug reefer madness style propaganda and this is such an an example of it not the article but both the headline and the way she tweeted this out jackie de robertis has not blocked me so far i asked her please don't block me but why is the headline about kratom she she tweeted out and she was talking about kratom as well i mean they're in livingston so they're talking about the parish committee meeting and she tweeted out, as Living to Perish debates banning Kratom, the coroner recently cited the tragic death of a two-year-old. This is from this meeting and what, what I just played. That's where they got the story from. In 2021, after she ingested her mother's Kratom pills, combined with another substance, it proved deadly for the toddler. So my question is, well, why wasn't the actual substance that was had the lethal dose, wasn't that the focus? And it's probably because they're banning Kratom in Livingston, but they're, they're playing it up that Kratom solely was responsible for the death. And I said, hi, Jackie, this is a good article, but given that Tianeptine was considered lethal on its own and the Kratom on its own would have likely just made the toddler sick, why is Kratom the headline here? Please don't block, and I can send you a more detailed rationale with sources, which she didn't reply, so I didn't send a more detailed rationale about why I don't think it's the Kratom that even... It may have contributed to the death. I don't know if it interacts with TNFTine, and there probably haven't been studies yet since TNFTine is a novel psychoactive substance, and Kratom is novel to the West. So I don't think the... I, I could see, like, um, the metabolic pathways that it takes. TNFTine is, has opioid um, behavior, so it's very likely that Kratom could have um, slowed down the metabolism in the toddler, but... They said the TNFTine had a lethal dose on its own, and this is from that corner that I just played. It's it's not the news itself. It's how they sell these narratives in the headline. Like, the headline's an editorial. I mean, given the content of the article, this uh, journalist did not actually a good job. Jackie um, DiRobertis. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong like you're listening. I'm going to get back to the, the corner wasn't supervising the child. It was neglect, so it was ruled. The manner of death was ruled a homicide. So, um, um, you know, I do think being fair, it, it is safer than a lot of narcotics that are out there, a lot of drugs, but would I want my 16-year-old getting it? Probably not, or using it. And I wouldn't want it to be flavored, for sure. Um, but anyway... <laughs> okay, anybody ever have flavored Kratom? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> don't make it taste good, because the kids will love it. But, no, we don't want anybody 16-year-old getting a hold of it either. That's why you regulate it. A 16-year-old can get a hold of any illegal drug probably easier than they can get a hold of alcohol. All right? So that's why you regulate it. It's not going to disappear. Kratom is not going to disappear. It's magical thinking. We're going to banish it. Ban. Poof. No more Kratom.
they have eradicated drugs like quaaludes and stuff. There's like two successful stories of eradicating drugs at the root. The DEA, well, they wiped out a plant for the one. I forget which one it is. Tell me in the comments if you remember. But they wiped out the plant in its native country. So there just isn't, that plant just doesn't exist anymore because Americans uh, do too many drugs. Uh, uh, and then the other instance was quaaludes, and they um, worked with the drug companies to stop importing um, these ingredients. Or, I mean, they probably it was probably a battle. It was probably a lawsuit. But there were drug companies that were importing certain ingredients for cough medicine. I forget what they were. Uh, and then they wiped out quaaludes, which is a shame because I've never tried them, and I heard they were good. It's a tree like an oak tree is here in the United States. It grows wild everywhere in Southeast Asia. Uh, cutting down all the kratom trees, which they did in Thailand. Uh, well, they didn't cut them all down, but cutting down all the kratom trees, say in Indonesia and some of these countries, would be an environmental disaster. It'd be like going into the woods and cutting down every oak tree or something like that. So it's not going to happen. It's going to keep growing. There's already kratom farms in the United States, there's already demand for it. It needs to be regulated. So uh, towards the end, uh, Paul Schecksneider comes back up, and he's pretty pissed off at the turn of events here. Wait, hold on a second. So if, if you got something, we really need to move on to the next agenda item, but you're welcome to come on up and make one quick short statement. Um, I, think, I think this is, this is ludicrous. As a, you got police officers uh, standing up here reading paperwork that have no clue what they're talking about. Absolutely no clue. But that's not disrespect anybody in right. this in, in so this I'm chamber right here right citizen. now. I understand that. Citizen. I agree with you. You're just about to make me a criminal. Is all I gotta say. Well, and when I get arrested and my little two children, I gotta go do jail time. It's it's because of y'all, and that's ridiculous. I'm, I'm sorry you feel that I'll way. I need this for you too. I appreciate Life that. House rehab and, and you, Jason Hart. Hey, you're probably going to need to leave right now, okay? What would you say? Recommendation that you'll be making to... Yeah, do we have a recommendation to move forward with... Wait, one I'm thing, sorry. One thing we probably need to clarify is this ordinance, municipalities are going to have to make their own ordinance. So I don't think we can make ours supersede yeah. theirs. So we yeah. might... I, I was just might need to clarify that. Yeah, ours is going to be the only... So that was Jeff Ard, who's another councilman, the sheriff's brother, and he was pointing out but that the municipalities, Kratom's still going to be legal in the municipalities, so depending where Paul's uh, shop is, he might be able to still operate even if they pass this ban, which I hope he does. Yeah, I hope he's able to. He wasn't disrespecting anybody. He was just stating the fact that they had no clue what the fuck they were talking about. You're disrespecting him for fucking upending his life for no fucking reason. He was willing to work with them, too. At the last meeting, he was like, I'd be willing to put um, caps on the amount people buy in the store uh, if you guys want to pass that ordinance. And, you know, they were talking about, oh, we don't have money for this ordinance, but... We don't have money for enforcement, but you have money for enforcement on illegal Kratom. You got money to send cops raiding uh, vape shops to see if they have any Kratom left probably right after this shit passes. 
And that's what he's talking about. You're going to make me a criminal. Like, there, there's no reason to make, pe- make people that are into Kratom criminals. It doesn't help anything. It only helps the cops. It only helps these uh, rehab centers and get free labor or whatever the hell kind of fucking sleazeball deal they have going on down there. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, uh, good for Paul. I'm going to keep in touch with Paul. Um, hopefully, uh, he'll probably want to come on and talk, I think. Um, but I'm just ca- kind of going back and forth with him on text and stuff. So, the next thing is uh, Georgia on Monday, February 13th. There's going to be a hearing at the uh, state capitol. It's the uh, Judiciary Committee hearing at 1.30 at the state capitol there in Georgia. Yeah, this is the Georgia State Capitol building in Atlanta. It's room 132. And it's 206 Washington Street Southwest in Atlanta, Georgia. And also the American Kratom Association announced that they're going to meet outside of that room at 1 p.m. So if you get there a half hour early... Uh, you can meet with the uh, American Kratom Association. This is a hearing on the state Kratom ban. This is HB 181, and it'll put my hydroxymitragenine and 7-hydroxy on the list of Schedule 1 substances. Again, hearing is Monday, February 13th, 1.30 p.m., Georgia State Capitol Building, Room 132. Uh, sponsors of the ban bill, Rick Townsend, Ron Stevens, Sharon Cooper, Lee Hawkins, Shelley Hutchinson, Kenneth Vance. I have all their emails on KratomScience.com. I'll link to this page I have on, it's a uh, kind of a living page uh, that I keep updating about all the um, current state bills. We also have a Kratom legality page that talks about legality in every state. That'll be updated after this session. Right now we're paying attention to the bills that are in Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Kansas, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, New Jersey, New York, South Carolina. That's another band bill. Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia. They have a couple of band bills. So there's band bills in Georgia, West Virginia, and South Carolina. The rest of them are creating consumer protection acts. The one thing we got to look at is the Kratom Consumer Protection Act. Well, there's one in Georgia. So that doesn't automatically prevent there from being a ban bill in the next session. So just realize that. I wish they could write that into the provision. Uh, In Indiana, there's a bill that would legalize Kratom, HB 1500. They had a hearing today, but I haven't heard anything about that they haven't updated it on Legiscan as to whether it would pass. But if you want inf- information on all these bills, um, I'll put a link in the description. I mean, this Indiana bill, I think, is what all of them should have that it should specify that a Kratom product is not a constro- controlled substance. Uh, I don't know, you know, they could have a ban bill in the next session, I guess, whatever. I think um, there's a lawsuit going on in Georgia, and the family is are rich and influential, and I think that's what's happening in Georgia. There are a couple people that are taking a lot of money from the health industry. I'm just to put that out there. I'm not saying that's why they're doing this. Like I said, it's 
band bills, it's not they don't have to be influenced by any special interest really. The special interest is people who are not educated on Kratom, which is tons of people. And people who aren't educated on drug policy, on the harms of the drug war, which is probably most Americans. We have an uphill battle, especially with the opioid crisis, or, you know, the illegal opioid overdose deaths, and and the fact that doctors were legally selling way too much opioids to people for years. Now people with chronic pain can't even get pain medication because the DEA's going. That's why people are turning to Kratom. We're, the Kratom thing is part of the larger opioid issue, which is we shouldn't be policing drugs. It's a medical issue. It, it should be between doctor and patient who gets opioids. And I think low-level opioids like Kratom should be purchased by adults only. That's what these laws say. They're good first steps. But we really need something more solid. One of the states is requiring testing. Now you see now these laws are written by uh the industry and the AKA and the lobbyists. They're all the same. Uh, they all have the same language, but when the government actually takes an active role and steps in like in Oregon, they actually allocated like a million dollars a year for enforcement of Kratom products. So they actually made a law with teeth there. There's another uh law here which I think all of them should have. New Jersey gives the Department of Health power to set testing standards, which is good. So that would, like, they will have testing standards, and they hopefully will require every vendor to test their products regularly. That should be required. I think eventually once the technology's there, I don't think it's there, like there aren't enough labs that provide alkaloid profiles, we should we should have to we should be able to get an alkaloid profile. I mean, maybe maybe they could put um like because right now the testing would be when you ask a vendor a vendor should at least provide uh, heavy metals testing and contamination bacterial contamination testing. Right now that's voluntary. That should be in every one of these KCPA laws in order for them to have teeth, and the governments should provide money for enforcement, money allocated for enforcement. If they don't do that, it's not going to be enforced. Like the law enforcement, the Department of Health, and they have all kinds of other shit to do with food and stuff. If they're not going to get more money to send a guy out to Kratom shops, then they're, you know, and and like online vendors, then they're not going to enforce it. So it doesn't really do anything. And they also have to enforce that, uh, you know, the shops don't sell to people under 21 and all that stuff. So, but these are good first steps. I, they're on the books. Um, it's getting, and it's and it's great work. They're doing great work uh, getting these things passed. Because it's getting the lawmakers to think, okay, let's regulate this stuff. Let's not ban it. And then, you know, hopefully down the line, they're going to be stronger laws. But it's like, you know... Nothing gets, you know how things don't get done. They gotta, they gotta pass an easy one first. So, I support all the KCPA laws. I think they're good first steps. Uh, yeah, and just news while we're on the state laws. Uh, the, there were ban bills in Mississippi and a Consumer Protection Act bill. They all died. Mississippi does this every year. They'll have a ban bill and then it'll die a week later. 
just to get us keep us all on our toes. Uh, there's uh, one in Virginia that died that was a Consumer Protection Act. Still got active ban bills in Georgia, South Carolina, and West Virginia. West by God, Virginia, which is a stone's throw away from where I'm at now. And then the rest of the states I mentioned, they're all Kratom Consumer Protection Act bills. And we'll update them on that page that I'll put a link to as I look at LegisCan every day and uh, look at the news every day and see what's going on with these bills if they move through the state legislatures or if they die. And uh, we put a little skull next to them if they die, like the ones in Mississippi. So what we're going to need, I mean, there is a National Kratom Consumer Protection Act that's uh, being championed by the AKA that, uh, you know, they're responsible for getting in there. I, I wrote an article about that. I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember to link all these articles I'm talking about. But I just read, and Dr. McCurdy posts this on LinkedIn, uh, Chris McCurdy, who was a past Kratom Science podcast guest on episode 69. It's a CNN article. The headline is, FDA indicates need to better regulate CBD products and plans to work with Congress on new rules. So, they're working on new rules for CBD products. They have the exact position on CBD as the market's regulated as they do on Kratom. The FDA now says, I'm quoting from the CNN article, the FDA now says products cannot be considered dietary supplements or food additives, citing the findings from a working group review of studies, scientific literature, other information. This decision directly denies three citizen petitions with this request. We have not found adequate evidence to determine how much CBD can be consumed for how long before causing harm. Therefore, we do not intend to pursue rulemaking allowing the use of CBD in dietary supplements or conventional foods. But you find it everywhere, so it's a gray market. It's the same as Kratom. So any work they're doing towards this, they should put Kratom right alongside of it. They're doing that in Czechoslovakia. The interview I did with uh, Jacob Gintala, he's the um, head of the European Kratom Alliance. He's been working in the Czech Republic. I said Czechoslovakia, it's actually Czech Republic. And what they're doing is they're going to classify Kratom, cannabis, CBD, all this stuff that people use that isn't exactly a dietary supplement, isn't exactly a medicine, isn't an approved drug that people use, and it's relatively safe. They're going to classify those, and also a psilocybin mushrooms they're going to put on this. Czech Republic has always had, since the collapse of the Soviet Union, it's it's always had a pretty liberal uh, drug laws, like possession hasn't been very uh, heavily penalized and, and whatnot, uh, maybe only like drug dealing. So it's a great country to try this out, but they're going to classify these things as, quote, psychomodular substances, because I think the term psychoactive is already legally defined. So they're going to need a new classification that's not exactly dietary supplement, not exactly food, not exactly drug. It's for recreational substances, not necessarily recreational substances, but substances people use that may carry some risk, like uh, being high and driving, that's a risk for the weed, you know. CBD, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They approved a Pityalux, or a Pityalex, which is just CBD that they can sell as a drug for 13000 a year for people with ep- epilepsy or 35000 a year, something insane. And it's basically just CBD. But uh, they did quote McCurdy in the CNN article. And and I'm going to read his quote, which closes out the article. 
The whole dietary supplement industry is regulated to some extent, but it's not really enforced because they don't have enough people to oversee it, he said. This is uh, Dr. Chris McCurdy. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the larger picture around what we classify as food or what would classify as dietary supplements and what type of regulatory pathways are going to move forward. Yeah, that's the thing about the dietary supplement industry. Uh, the Deshea Act passed in 1994. You can ask the guys in the AKA about this because they wanted to protect access to vitamins. That side says the FDA wanted to regulate everything as a drug and limit access. I'm not sure if that is the case or not, but that was their argument. Uh, that the FDA would overextend and regulate everything as a drug. So they made everything a dietary supplement that wasn't a drug like vitamins and whatnot. Dietary supplements have to go through GMP. They have to be generally recognized as safe, etc. They they fall under some rules that the FDA enforces. However, the FDA does not have enough resources to enforce that. And this is just what... McCurdy just said they don't have enough people to oversee it. Uh, the FDA does a ton of shit, and they, like some of these KCPA laws, this National Dietary Supplements Law, you know, there there should have been millions a year allocated to the FDA to enforce. Maybe there was a certain amount. I don't know enough about it, so just you can look it up. All kinds of dietary supplements are being adulterated. Uh, McCurdy pointed this out in our interview on episode 69. All kinds of dietary supplements are found with adulterants in them. So there, there should be enforcement of that entire industry. And, there sh- and I think there should be a third category of psychoactive substances that, like alcohol and tobacco, we can, we can decide as a society that... Adults should be able to access this in a marketplace in a reasonable fashion. I was just speaking with with a lady whose son died of Kratom. And she, you know, I'm trying to convince them that a ban is just going to harm more people. But what she mentioned is, well, if you can get weed, you have to go to a dispensary to get weed. Why shouldn't you do with Kratom that, you know, killed my son? Um, and, and actually, incidentally, I asked her, like, how, you know, that happened, and she said, some people say if you eat a whole bunch of Kratom, you just puke it up before you overdose. Well, you don't have to eat it all in one sitting. It, it can build up in your system over time. She said that's what happened to her son, and, and I really didn't ask for specifics um, because I, you know, I, I appreciated talking with her, and I didn't want to keep prodding her, and we were kind of arguing a little bit, you know. But I said, well, you know, maybe Kratom should be sold in a, in a dispensary model where you have to go to a certain place, go through rigmarole. Uh, you might have to get approval by doctor, but not a prescription. Like cannabis has to be medicinal. I don't necessarily think it should be medicinal. Like like uh, medicinal medicinal cannabis, but maybe a dispensary model with people who are educated, and you can go to those people and say, "Hey, uh, you know, I I I have an addiction uh, dependency problem," and those people will tell you where to get help. If you listen to my interview with Dr. Fabian Steinmetz, what he proposed for drug he is a toxicologist uh, in Europe. And he's in favor of uh, drug legalization. He is uh, the president of NCOD there, which is uh, like the European Coalition for uh, Legalization of Drugs. I know that doesn't spell out NCOD, but I think it's in a different language. 
But anyway, he, he proposes tiers to legalization. Fentanyl shouldn't be sold next to Jolly Ranchers. That should probably only be available via doctor. But codeine, maybe. Maybe you sell that at a pharmacy. The pharmacist can give you advice on how to take it, what not to take it with. You get a consult. Maybe uh, every couple of buys you get another consult. They remind you. I know, I heard it last time, but so what? They they help you take it. They help you be educated. Right now, there's some good vendors. Sheck Snyder is definitely one of them, I can tell who will talk to people about how to take it, about how to be responsible. I just hope the FDA goes into it. I mean, they, because of the head of the Dietary Supplements Division, who now is the president of the Natural Products Association, Daniel Fabricant, that's actually his name, but he started the war on Kratom within the FDA, I think because the dietary supplements industry didn't want it. That Natural Products Association was calling for a ban for years, so ever since then, the FDA has this antagonistic stance, their import alerts and everything. They're not like with CBDs, just because CBD is more widespread, there's more money involved in CBD and Kratom still smaller. Uh, there's more like money and political influence with the cannabis industry, which is a problem in and of itself. But now the FDA, well, we have to regulate it differently. We're going to work with Congress. They don't do that with Kratom, but there is a national federal kratom consumer protection act and i've written an article about that and and maybe i'll talk about it next time but i just wanted to focus on the states this time but anyway good luck to people in livingston parish especially and good luck if you're living in the state of georgia or a lot of these deep south states man louisiana georgia mississippi alabama it's already legal so uh if you're down there man just get involved and yeah, I'm, I'm having fun on my new TikTok account. That's the only other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, there's a Kratom Science TikTok, but it's spelled K-R-8-0-M Science. So check us out on TikTok. Uh, there's a lot more intelligent people, but like the, the ones that aren't so intelligent kind of stick out. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, check, check out the TikToks. I'm doing uh, different content than I'm doing on here. Uh, but it's mostly just me talking. Uh, you get to see my face. I never like showed my face before. I don't know why. I just wanted to be a radio guy. I'm not that ugly. Yeah, I got guests coming up. I got requests in for guests. Uh, once a month, we're still going to do the uh, Journal Club. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Like, share, rate, review. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. The music is Risey. The song is Memories of Thailand. Kratom Science Podcast is produced by me, Brian Gallagher, for KratomScience.com. Take care.